Welcome to Space 1999 Podcast by the name of Podcast 1999. I am uh, your host, Mark Malik. It's like this you're like wanting to do the 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 thing, but it seems kind of offensive. And then you like kind of like start to go into it and then change your mind. It's a cynical and low, not very well thought out. Yeah, <laughs> sounds like a vampire. <laughs> yeah, you probably, probably just thought about now, I guess. This is Matt. Sorry, I I I uh, interrupted your introduction of me. So <laughs> how dare you? That's not very Italian of you at all. No, no, I'll, I'll also be appearing in this podcast as a charred corpse from the future. Ah, uh, very well. Okay, <laughs> it did look like he kind of had some like pizza on his face. Yeah, yeah, that was offensive. Very I mean, offensive. That, that that was the Italian guy they just shoehorned in because they had to. I mean, I, I know you'll do. Oh, it you'll find out. You'll about find the troubled out. spirit, the troubled spirit. You'll trivia. find out the troubled spirit. Anyway, let's just yeah, get I, into it because I've I got said, so much I said trivia. So I thought you were just going to start again. <laughs> well, you thought wrong. Now is the trivia. Today's episode was 19th in production order. Ray Austin is back to direct. You last saw his work in End of Eternity. He still has one more of the season and then two next season. Johnny Byrne wrote this one. He, he'll be back for two more of the season and three next season which means he's better. Uh, he said he wanted to write a science fiction ghost story and uh, tapped into the idea of communicating with plants that was very much in the 70s zeitgeist. Even Stevie Wonder was into it, I think. Yes, he was. That was a good album, I think. <laughs> it's fine. Not as I think. Not a, well, you know, he did just come off of making like the 12 best albums of all time in a row. Um. Hey, remember when I said there were Italian investors from the TV company RAI who invested in the show and they would be bringing Italian actors in later? The Italians are here, baby. Our main guest star, Giancarlo Preti. I don't know if that's right. Preti? P-R-E-T-E. First one sounded better. Preti. He played Dan Matteo. He was originally cast to play Alfonso Catini, but there were scheduling conflicts and that role became Alan Carter and then was played by Nick Tate a non-Italian. Uh, Preeti was originally chosen because Sylvia Anderson felt like he was not intimidated by Martin Landau. In fact, she felt like Landau's ego was threatened by all of the Italian actors who came in the screen test. Because of this, when it came time to cast the role of Matteo, she had no problem choosing Preeti. So anyway, speaking of Giancarlo Preeti, he was born in Rome in 1943 and worked as a stuntman before having a fruitful acting career with some crossover to British and American works, too. Uh, you can see him in Kill Me, My Love, Snow Job, The Price of Death, and Satanic with a K. Is Snow Job a G.I. Joe movie? I think it predates G.I. Joe, but sure. I, I, several years ago, I mentioned that as a G.I. Joe with my coworkers around. They thought I was being offensive. <laughs> I mean, maybe the movie he was in was offensive. I don't know. We've already had like a porno actor in this series. They wouldn't believe um, me that there was a G.I. Joe named Snowjob. <laughs> well, there probably wouldn't be today. 
unless they made an adult G.I. Joe for adults, which uh, go ahead and do that if you want, please. Uh, Hasbro. Anyway, uh, he passed away in 2001 from bout of brain cancer. Not funny. As his wife, Laura, we have Hillary Heath. She was born in 1945 and had a long acting career, including several roles happened to Prince Vincent Vincent Price. I said so many things right before that. Yeah, yeah words uh, just seem to like sputter into weird shards of syllables. <laughs> you might also have seen her as number 73 in the Prisoner episode. In the The Prisoner episode, Hammer into Anvil. Yes, she's the one who jumps out the window at the beginning. This is actually your final credited acting role, and she passed away in 2020. Another one for the 2020 club. Uh, that's the ill-fated Dr. Warren. We have Anthony Nichols. He was born in 1902 in Windsor. He had a long career in British TV and film, and you could see him in works such as Let Me Ever Escape Them, The Woman's Angle, and No Place for Jennifer. He passed away in 1977, so this was one of his last roles, but he still appeared as Dr. Becker in 1976's The Omen. I think there are a lot of The Omen crossovers here, maybe just because it's like a year before. I think they shot it in the same place. Like they filmed it in the same studio. Um, On The the Omen take place in space or on the moon? I mean, everything takes place in space if you want to get down to it. Yeah, but how about on the moon? I mean, the the moon was in orbit. It was there. Okay. It was close. It was much closer to Earth than in this episode. Um, On the electric sitar, opening the episode is session guitarist Big Jim Sullivan. The original script called for Bergman leading a small group of elephants playing chamber music, but obviously that didn't happen. Uh, Born in 1941 in Uxbridge, Hillington, Middlesex, England, he played on over 750 UK chart entries. Artists such as the Rolling Stones, Tom Jones, Dusty Springfield. You could also see him on some uh, film and TV, such as Bay City Rollers TV show Shangalang. He was in 10 episodes of Shangalang. Uh, also, he played sitar in a musical interpretation of the Kama Sutra. He passed away in 2012, but his website still says coming soon. Um, that's um, That's ambitious. Of him. Anyway, speaking of ambitious, I'm going to do another cast spotlight and talk about Zania Merton as Sandra Bennis. She was born in 1945 in Burma to an English father and a Burmese mother. She lived in Singapore, then Borneo, then was schooled in Portugal. She wanted to become a dancer, but she eventually gravitated towards acting and had some of her first roles as a teenager in the 1960s. Her role in Space 1999 was probably the highest profile work she did, but she also appeared in several shows, films, and plays. You could see her in Ego Hugo. The Root of All Evil, Crime Traveler, and uh, appeared in several Doctor Who episodes is what sounds like an unfortunate Asian stereotype. Don't at me if I'm wrong on that. It just sounds like an unfortunate Asian stereotype. Uh, the role of Sandra was also supposed to be an Italian one. Her name would, that character's name would have been Sandra Sabatini. Uh, when Merton was cast, one of the producers changed the last name to Bennis because that was the name of a deli he liked in L.A., And Merton just made up a vaguely European accent. In real life, she is very British. You listen to her talk, and she is the most British person who's ever Britished. She passed away from cancer in 2018 at the age of 72. You can read more about her in her autobiography, Anecdotes and Armadillos, which sounds British. I guess she wasn't referencing this show, which she doesn't have to, but yeah. 
um that that spotlight was supposed to go before the episode uh the full circle because that was her favorite episode of the show okay so we're not not necessarily gonna rate her on taste (laughs) (laughs) i think she just really thought it was cool that she was in that like leopard skin the whole time Mm. which uh she sounds pretty cool honestly i mean that was pretty cool (laughs) you want a story are you finished yeah here's a story for you while most of the crew is tripping out to electric sitar music Hydroponic Unit 2 Dr. Dan Mateo is holding a strange plant seance. He believes that he can match human brain waves to match plants for communication. The seance does cause a strange drop in temperature, and Mateo has a stroke when lead scientist Dr. Warren interrupts. Mateo is taken to sick bay, where Dr. Russell encounters a second burned and scarred entity. Commander Koenig orders the experiments canceled. Dr. Warren suggests that this is a good idea to cancel them and then gets murdered by the weird specter. Mateo's girlfriend, Lara, also suggests that this is a good idea and is also murdered by the specter. Not wanting to get murdered, Koenig allows the experiment to continue under strict observation. Everyone observes the mutilated spirit appear who blames Koenig for his future death. Koenig and Dr. Bergman conjure up a scientific exorcism which doesn't go well for Mateo as the specter shoves his face into an energy field. He ends up dead and scarred, just like the specter, which ultimately turned out to be the cause of his death. You see, Commander Koenig personally feels each death on Moonbase Alpha. Is that a value judgment statement? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what to think about that guy anymore. Is Spectre the right word? I said it awful lot. Yeah, that's right. That okay. that, that makes sense. Okay. Uh, I just recently watched a James Bond movie. I was like, am I getting slightly wrong because of that? I don't know. There was a point when when Koenig said nothing like this has ever happened on Alpha, and I was like, you Force of life. Liar. <laughs> Force of life. Everybody remembers you liar. Force of life. If, this if, has if, happened like five times. If it was like war games and he said nothing like this has ever happened that would be fine because they forgot about war games but yeah force of life dude you you did this this is yeah this okay maybe none of the ghosts have traveled back in time before but or whatever's things forces and and it wasn't an alien it's usually an alien we're here it's just a um what is a sci-fi ghost isn't it if if your ghost goes back in time to kill oh god I don't know. I don't know. This is why you don't do time travel. Are they doing time travel? It could be quantum entanglement because he's trying to quantum entangle with the plants. Sorry, I'm trying to make sense out of it, even though it doesn't make sense. But why not? If the ghost ghost is exactly how he looked when he died and and that's what was appearing to people, then that had to have been time travel, I think. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. I, since I already said the title like eight times, let's pit this one against Force of Life because I, I know you were really into Force of Life and this uh, does it differently. Again, I like Force of Life better because it's straightforward and doesn't and it makes sense. This starts not not only does this not make sense, but a lot of the uh, mostly like Helena and and Victor are trying to explain it like they're total authorities on psychic powers but none of the things they're saying make any sense and a lot of what they say involves them saying we don't know anything about it but this is exactly what happens in the brain when 
<laughs> then you know the 18 percent of the brain thing which is completely fake but i know people believe that until very recently sure but yeah i i was thinking things i liked i mean you were asking me yesterday it, about the electric sitar music that that puts yeah. it that that gains a point for me the uh weird kind of uh it, it gives it like a aip roger corman vibe a little bit which i like that i like it i i do like this episode i don't like it as much as force of life okay see i think i might like it a little better although i will i will you know lend an ear to the ian mcshane argument because obviously that's a yeah. better actor <laughs> yeah yeah um <laughs> this guy's well... kind of just there which i guess is <laughs> right because he's he's because the italians are just like here he is put him in this is straight he straight up is like the the mafia plant like you're gonna put this guy in the picture all right <laughs> this is mateo he's in the picture well the, the mateo is the character's name oh you mean i mean is, okay this is mateo. he is he, oh, no he is mateo you will call him mateo i don't yes. know <laughs> <It's>... <laughs> i don't i don't know i'm making up a ridiculous that doesn't make sense because the mafia does not equal TV investors or Do does they? it? We use different pronouns. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I apologize um, if I misused the wrong pronoun on the Italian investor company. I, I mean, you're going to have to tell me a shadow about the sitars eventually. Cause when it started, like <laughs> that, the one he's playing, did it look like a space instrument to you? It looked like a telecaster. I thought it was a telecaster. Oh no no! I don't know a, anything. It's a coral, I don't know anything, man. It's a coral electric sitar, and there's one yeah. near near um one of the places I work, um at the music store. They have one, but the, the tag on it is "Please ask for price." So that means I can't afford ah. it. And it's like from the '60s. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, recently, whatever you call it, midlife stuff crisis. I've had to admit to myself that I'm not really a guitarist at all. Oh well. What it was you? one of those it is one of those things that I learned to play in order to put things out hmm. basically <laughs> I am a well, composer that's it really okay cuz I've upped my guitaring game a lot in the past 5 years or so by actually like thinking about stuff I'm doing so I guess I can claim to be a guitarist at this point where maybe as a teenager it'd be a little questionable <laughs> I mean that's that's a good thing I don't think you know instrument being an instrumentalist is good. I just think that the only thing I've ever really been interested in is controlling everything mm. <laughs> and write, writing and controlling everything. So I just really want to be a composer slash conductor and, and don't really. I do not enjoy the act of sitting and playing a guitar. Mm. I mean, I just don't. I mean, it's just me. I don't okay. I, I want to I want to make I want to I want to direct this episode. That's what I want to do. That'd be fun. Yeah, sure. And do you want to yep. direct Big Jim Sullivan? Would that, would that get his name? Yeah. Right? Okay. <laughs> hey, Big Jim. I mean, probably, you know, he's British. I You're guess like, he was Oh, hey, Big Jim. Yeah, you expect a cowboy to stroll in when you hear Big Jim Sullivan. <laughs> <laughs> well, that just tells you how much, uh, you know, influence the U.S. had over, uh, like, music in general. The no, I... he... Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just saying he wasn't going to, I don't know, what's a British... Dandy Jim Sullivan. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what you call yourself if you're Jim specifically Dandy. Jim Dandy <laughs> to the rescue. I I don't know what you'd call yourself. I mean, we G Sullivan. He seemed like a large person. So I mean, it's just it. It's like yeah. I just expected a cowboy hat 
That's all. I do like, yeah. I mean, I, you know, I play in orchestras. I'd like to play in a string quartet. I like to see Dr. Bergman playing in a string quartet, but yeah, they yeah. end up doing that on TNG, you know, and here, this is great. This, this makes it just fully like weird seventies, you know? <laughs> yeah. I, this, I know I said I was annoyed by the constant bongos and the caveman thing, but this somehow is better, even though it's pretty much just as cheesy to just have the sitar playing just constantly through the entire episode. But it, it kind of works because it's the K. Remember how weird this whole thing is? Well, yeah, or how comfortable the beginning of the episode was? <laughs> yeah. You remember how bored everyone looked at that recital? <laughs> how every single chair was filled up at the recital, but They're you definitely saw to go listen to psychedelic yeah, sitar. You definitely saw other people who were on Alpha who were not at the recital and they looked happier than the people who were at the recital. Doing the plant seance? Well, there were other people too. There were there's a, briefly you see other people. Well, I paid people way too mission. much attention to that. You can't you can't just yeah. abandon main mission for a sit yeah. concert. But did you notice that a lot of people had just sheets of paper that just said program and then they were blank? No, I it was not I was <laughs> definitely not paying that much attention. <laughs> oh yeah. I I think that had stuff printed on the back of it. <laughs> but I'm not entirely sure. That might not have been the case. It might have just been a blank piece of paper that said program. It also hits into that, you know, with the whole um, hydroponics thing. It starts making you think of, you know, some guy in there already saying, man, I've been hydroponics of dank kush, man, which kind of is the vibe of this laboratory. And then um, Dr. Warren is like, you know, you know, old man straight and, and just <laughs> bumming their party, you know? Yeah, I don't see what plants, good plants did for anybody. You better <laughs> stop growing these useless plants. I, I mean, that's... um. Chances are this is a moon base. What do we need plans for? <laughs> if we ever do have a moon base, like basically it's going to be populated by people who were born like 30 years after marijuana was legalized. <laughs> I mean, uh, ain't here. How's it? How, how, yeah. do, how do you feel about living with the land? Sounds terrible. No, I mean, the Epcot Center ride is it? Oh, is it no, that was great. Waste of time. Oh, it's great. Okay. No, I liked it. I enjoyed it. Okay. That's cool. Because there's some some contention about that because it's a slow moving boat ride that doesn't have the music anymore. They took the song out. It's just uh, kind of move through. There's no tour guide uh, anymore. There's just a auto narration. Uh, well, that's that so takes it down a few notches. Giant, you still get to go through a giant greenhouse. I think plants are cool. I'm not like a country guy, but I don't want to live out in the middle of nowhere, mostly because I don't want to have to drive a car 30 minutes to get somewhere. Mm. but like i like plants i think trees are cool are you controversial trees? did you make some tree friends? i have i have a plant that i'm trying to keep alive oh i definitely don't take on that responsibility i have two i mean there one was given to me literally the one one that i'm keeping alive is because i bought a couple of plants to give a friend of mine for their birthday and then it was a thing where i just ended up like two I ended up, my schedule ended up just too constricted to make it to their birthday party. And then they left for like a month to go out of town right after that. So I just never got a chance to give them their plants. And yeah, I, I kept two of them and one of them died and one of them still alive. I was going to say when, when I was in my 20s, uh, one of the other teachers was like, could you take care of my plants while I'm uh, going home? And I was like, that's probably a bad idea. And then the plants died. A lot. Of yeah, <laughs> I have killed. I have killed more plants than I have. Yeah, I've killed an embarrassing you've killed, number of plants. You've killed more plants than Mateo killed people. 
I've killed more plants than I have spent hours playing guitar in the past 10 years. Okay, there we go. <laughs> I, I can't say that, but <laughs> that sounds really sad, but it's just true. I don't know. Yeah, I'm, my, I'm my not great. My midlife is buying guitars, I guess. So I'm on the opposite keel. <laughs> <laughs> I've thought about it, but you know, it's like basically I put new strings on the guitar I bought in like 2015 for the first time in probably six years see i'm on the page like should i go out in this blizzard with my guitar today on the way to work because then i'll have my guitar in the office if i need it <laughs> the the packaging for the strings was completely foreign to me that's how long it's been since i bought guitar strings well, yeah, like, i had no idea it. yeah they were all color coded and they're all kind of like in one bag together mm. like the last time i bought strings they all came in little each string was in a little sleeve you by itself a both okay yeah mm. um for and also, thing. basically, I went to every time a music store would open, I'd go there and get the they would always have like five sets of guitar strings for five dollars. And I'd buy like all those. Ah. So I basically just had those for years. So I have to buy them as I need them. Uh, I do want to have yeah. a gore corner. We've had, you know, moments of nice gore on Space 1999. This rating and I think as we have a uh, Brian Blessed turning into a smoldering corpse. Uh, even the Force of Life guy, I mean, Ian McShane got all screwed up at the end, so we got yeah. that. Yeah, uh, some well, good stuff. I was uh, I was unsettled by the Pizza Man, right? So, uh, what what is your top gore moment on this increasingly gory show? I still think Brian Blessed's corpse is just that's the one to beat. I don't know if we're gonna get anything better than that. That that was gonna be my vote, of course, but uh, I would just that's just want to pit them all against each other for a moment. Yeah. That's straight up. I mean, that straight up could be in a Tim Burton movie from 1988. <laughs> you know, Pee Wee's Big Adventure. Yeah, or I think Batman. The, the Beetlejuice Batman. would actually be that year, I think. But I, I just thought, yeah. Well, I guess Pee Wee has large marge, so that's that's claymation, but that's weirdly kind of gory, I guess. It's scary. It's scarier than anything in the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This one definitely is not going for like actual like. It's going for atmosphere, not jump scares, you know? Yeah, I don't... Well, the the, the one moment, uh, End of Eternity, when it shows you the all the scary paintings without warning you, that was a good jump scare. Right, right. But, but I guess that depends on how scary you think the paintings are. Do you consider these guys villains, uh, Ian McShane and, and Matteo here? Because they're, you know, like... They're, they're, they're not, like, villainous, like the the prima donna villains we've seen in other episodes they're vic tragic victims i think right i don't i don't think that because like mateo was influenced alpha child had an alien come inside of him this was a ghost from him his own ghost from the future like can you take responsibility for your, for your own ghost from the future i don't think so yeah, because Force of Life was like an alien presence. You know, it's it's not like uh, those other guys uh, that. Sorry, I'm lo losing the name. All I can remember is uh, no one's name actually, but you know our our, <laughs> our villain Donovan. Evil man. Don Jarek, Which villain? Jarek. Jarek. Jarek and, yeah. Uh, what, what was the what was the guy a week or two? Alpha ago? Child. Oh. Uh, oh yeah yeah. No, End no, of no, Eternity no. was Balor. Balor. That's the name I couldn't quite get. So. Yeah. Yeah. Like um, those guys are just like you know perfect a-holes where these are conflicted like i don't want to kill you but my ghost is going to kill you sort of thing yeah i mean it doesn't 
really make a whole lot of sense except for this script just it's like the script wants to give alpha something to deal with that it hasn't had to deal with but that they've dealt with this <laughs> yeah yeah it wants to i didn't say it it pulled it off <laughs> it wants to see i that, again um, that is, i guess the disconnect between you and me because i i like it when it gets like you know weirdly in incoherent at times that that entertains I, me i do i like this episode i i i know i'm like kind of crapping on it but I, I like it but it's it's another one where i'm like i like this but it's dumb <laughs> i cannot pretend that it's not stupid and also that it layer has the extra layer of like Bergman and Russell explaining things that they don't understand themselves. There's a there's a whole back and forth between Koenig and and Russell where he's asked her if she's sure she knows what she saw, and she says she is sure, but she thinks she saw it, but then she says she knows she saw it. <laughs> like it's just weird stuff like that but but i'll tell you my least favorite man i will tell you right now what my least favorite thing in this episode is and i watched it a few times and i hate it a lot and i can't entirely explain why uh the scene when when the when uh laura is running away from mateo and then she goes to the door and then the pizza man is at the door and she turns around and faces the camera and screams and the camera goes right into her mouth I hated that. <laughs> I hated it so much. I think it's something like it, it has something to do with that. You're not supposed to look at the camera, but like you wouldn't She's eating the camera. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. It's like you're not supposed to look at the camera and she was looking away from the thing that was the, the immediate threat. And yeah, usually and... it's a good thing when uh, the pizza man's at the door because then you get some pizza. Yeah, but I guess she's showing you her mouth to tell you how hungry she is. Okay. I hated it. I don't know. I I it something about the comp composition of that shot makes me mad. Maybe it's cuz you've delivered pizzas and if you knock on the door and the person just turns away from you and screams, that's not a good that's not a good round. If they turn away from me to sc to scream and they're sort of off to the side a little bit, yeah. I'm like, "Why are you over there? What are you doing?" Yeah, so it's a personal annoyance to you. I mean, I didn't track that. It is as much a compositional it. annoyance. It is a. It is probably pretty nitpicky, like a a whatever you call it, a cinematographical annoyance. Yeah. Now my notes here, just since last week, uh, what was here? I guess we have a. Uh, I guess we got about three hundred. So my notes for this are just. Guess we're down to two hundred ninety nine alphans. Guess we're yep. down to 298 alphans. <laughs> Guess we're down to 297 alphans. I mean, what's the serial yeah. murder rate on alpha now? Like 10% chance you're going to get murdered by a serial killer? <laughs> possibly yourself. Yeah. Who, well, possibly I, yourself I mean, who is a serial murderer. I mean, yeah. Which one was it where nobody actually, I guess Alpha Child, nobody actually died? No, wait, that somebody did die in that. Cause like one person died, but then there are like Jared. eight people were. <laughs> Like, it looks like Jarek takes out, like, a whole platoon of security guys, and it's, he just, like, you know, stunned him or something. The, the the guy who dies is when Koenig is shooting at Jarek, and he makes his gun go and kill another guy, and they people stare at it for just a second, and then continue with what they're doing. Right. Well, we started at 3.11, so we can factor that in. We can factor in the first serial killer, and, uh, you know... Nothing good starts at 3.11. Yeah. <laughs> so, anyway, just... just noting that 
cause of death on Alpha serial killer is like maybe number one. <laughs> I feel like that that kind of tracks with Star Trek. I don't know if that's I don't know if that's like scientific, but I feel like murder is a higher than average like cause of death in Star Trek, unless you get to Deep Space Nine where it's war. I think kills more people. Yeah, yeah. I I did think of a little bit about the second Star Trek pilot where where. Gary Lockwood gets the God powers because while he's getting him, it's kind of similar to this. Of course, this guy, it turns out he has his his charred self from the future killing people, whereas, you know, he Gary Lockwood ended up with God powers. So uh, maybe, I don't know, that's probably better if you, I mean, it didn't work well, out for him in the end either, but. No. Did he kill anybody? I don't feel like he did. I don't remember. It's been a little bit I don't think Gary Lockwood killed anybody, but it, Someone's yeah, screaming. Actor, actor Gary Lockwood. Someone is screaming <laughs> at the podcast that either I'm right or I'm wrong. Mm. And uh, that's fine. So that's fine. I'm glad you know that, listener. <laughs> um, but yeah, the, I feel like that you, you, I feel like on this show, God powers just mean you're going to kill two or three people and then die. <laughs> that's kind of. Oh, uh, whatever. I don't know if I'm just saying because the Italians were hanging on the stage, but do, do you think this hit any like Giallo vibes properly? Nope. No. Okay. Well, thought, yeah, yeah, maybe. The woman I mean, screaming the... into a camera, you might hate it, but that's very Giallo. <laughs> that's the thing is that you know I well it's this whole series is super stylized, and that's that is like an Italian thing. So I mean. And that's probably the best thing about it. Like the the whole scene where he's on the what do you call it the subway or whatever the the train. I wrote travel the train, and I wondered if they were pressurized or not inside. You it was so cool. To move the things. It was so cool. He's just sitting there, and the lights are going like over his head, and it's like all dark and shadow. There's a shadow of the pizza man. I mean, it's just music on the soundtrack. Yeah, the sitar yeah. music. I, I wondered to myself how long the subway tube was because I didn't feel like Alpha was that big, big, but I guess I mean, it is. When you see it from the outside, I mean, it would take like 30 minutes to walk across, right? So it's nice to have a travel tube. I think the Atlanta airport, you can go from one end to the other in a train in like less than 10 minutes. How about if you walk it? Uh, depends on <laughs> it depends on if you use the moving sidewalks and how fast you walk. But I don't you know, even know why I'm asking you. I, pro- I probably long. have walked it. <laughs> Walking from E to F is very long. Mm, okay, like there's a big old gap there. I don't remember why. It's like the concourse F kind of looks like an F. Mm. Anyway, that's I, where I, the uh, <laughs> that's where the varsity is. If you want to go to the stupid airport varsity. <laughs> They scream at you if you want a burger. Yes, um, you can get you can get like hot dog biscuits in the morning for breakfast. That sounds like a terrible <laughs> idea. Yeah, things like that in Japan though. At the Seven Eleven, you get that yeah, thing. yeah. Asia is like everywhere in Asia is like here is a hot dog with extra steps. I mean, we're, these Korean hot dog, Korean corn dog places are like taking over. You guys have those, right? Uh, there's a couple Korean places I've seen, but uh, more in like Nagano City, not not in my little boondock town. Yeah, it's like it'll be like you can get half a hot dog and half of a big mozzarella stick, and they'll roll it in like cinnamon toast crunch, and then deep fry, and you get like some kind of sauce to get like maple syrup to dip it in or something. (laughs) I mean, eh. 
I don't know if you write it that hard. Uh, you know, a couple of years ago, Luke and I went up to get the Beast, which was like an insane, like, meter long hot dog or something. Yeah. Sausage. <laughs> it was a sausage. It was past hot dog. All right. Sounds so there great. Was, there was that. Um, oh, I had a real question to ask. And now, now it's now I'm just thinking about hot dogs. Oh, well. Mm. <laughs> we're talking about pizza, not hot dogs. Oh, actually, gonna... we're talking about plants. Yeah, I was going to talk about um, this is a bottle episode. Um, maybe Space 1999 has, has not really figured out how to do the bottle episode. Like, again, it's kind of they're kind of retreading a, a storyline a little bit here. They don't have anything like the hollow deck. That's what later Trek usually does if they need to do. Well, that, is it a bottle episode if you now have hollow deck environments? I don't know. Well, <laughs> uh, yeah, that that's sometimes the hollow deck. I don't want to say it goes too far, but hmm. I was thinking budget wise. because like, oh, if you want to do a bottle episode, you do a hollow deck episode. But I'm like, well, that's not really a bottle episode because then you have to have the hollow deck location. So it be... <laughs> story wise, yeah. but but reality wise, that's... it isn't. You need guest stars and in in, in locations huh. if you're doing a hollow deck episode. Well, you don't need guest stars because you could just be like, actually, everyone, you know, is playing a character. Yeah. Everyone looks. They've like done that Koenigs. a lot. Yeah, they've done that it's a all lot. Koenigs. It's twenty-seven <laughs> Koenigs interacting on the holodeck, <laughs> screaming at each other. It's like the Spider-Man <laughs> meme. <laughs> but you know, this is different because every Star Trek series they can go somewhere. It's like Alpha, kind of can't. They got to wait. That's part. right. If if if, if they if, if they don't want a bottle episode, they have to be patient because they're just stuck in one for for. Well, well, realistically, I mean, for hundreds of years at a time. <laughs> I mean, all they really, someone just has to write a planet. You know, I've written a planet that will show up. That's yeah, all you have la- to do. Last time they created things with their mind, it didn't go well. Yeah, and and it kind of, the convenience of the some of the planets has kind of annoyed me sometimes. Yeah, because they, they all hit planets. It's like, it's like what was it last week? There's two planets in the solar system. It's, yeah, of course there's probably more than that. Yeah, it's just everyone's jerks on both of them. It's like every planet they every sun they pass is like one planet. That doesn't make sense. One habitable planet. Don't you need the gas giants to uh, balance out the 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 weather of the solar system? I mean, if they were moving fast enough to get to that many planets, then they would be going so fast that they would definitely not do things like enter an orbit of something you know what i mean you just go go right through the planet and destroy everything there it goes no the planet would disappear when they touch it remember yeah of course that's probably happened a bunch of times no no let's give the show it's its credits only done that once (laughs) yeah i mean it's probably done it a bunch of times where they didn't have episodes about it right (laughs) happens every (laughs) other week (laughs) yeah because if you would how many light years away is the closest, like potentially habitable planet now? I think five light years, something like that. Yeah, Alpha Centauri's two, is it? Yeah, that that sounds about right. Well, it'll get closer. Don't worry. Right, and closer and closer and, and closer. Then we'll both vanish. Yep. Okay. When worlds collide. <laughs> Wait, no, that's the Andro- Andromeda galaxy that's getting closer. Not. Alpha oh Centauri. yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm stupid. I'm an I'm an idiot. It's Don't trust me with your still. astronomy. I almost said astrology. I'm, I'm going to take. <laughs> Don't back trust me with that either. I, I'm going to take back your PhD in astrology, man. <laughs> Damn it, my pretty heavy degree because there is 
<laughs> you'd have to make up a term for astrology. It's all vague. I like that. A PhD in astrology. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, you need that could be anything really. I can just be like this this page of notes I'm looking at. That that would be the um oh what what was the uh, lost movie because of the soundtrack that the astrologer, yeah. And yeah. He could, he could have a PhD in astrology. Yeah. I think he had a PhD in like film insurance funding fraud. <laughs> Um, did you have any other big points you want to throw on this episode before I start breaking it down into numbers and stuff? Um, plants are cool. I'm using more than 18% of my brain, no matter how stupid everything that comes out of my mouth is. Okay. (laughs) But not at the same time. Isn't that the point? Like you use all of your brain, but you just use like certain parts of it. So you are never using more than that percent at one time. Yeah. And the the bottom line is we don't really know how the brain works and humans have this tendency to really want to pretend that they know how a bunch of things work, like self-driving cars and AI and flying cars, et cetera. Mm. Well, maybe flying cars, flying cars are totally possible, but you know, a bad idea. Right. uh, Oh, here's here's one observation on this one. Just, uh, I I think watching this show in production order and not, airing order helps us watch Barry Morse just get groovier and groovier as we go. I mean, even if he's making mm-hmm. whack explanations here, he's kind of groovy about it, you know, where yeah, he, he's he's the most yeah. chill, he's chilled out the most since Breakaway. Yeah, he's not <laughs> his demeanor doesn't well, you know, you have to be pretty groovy to just throw out a bunch of nonsense explanations and be like I'm a doctor. We don't see don't him in you know that... two because by that point he's just hanging in his quarters wearing a drug rug for like you know twenty four seven. He's just doing plant seances. He's going full all the time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe I don't know. Maybe Ballard just showed up between seasons and took him off to Groovy play town. poker on a planet. Yeah, I'm just I'm trying to think of a non-violent way to write him off the show. Groovy town, right? Mine's Groovy, Groovy town. Here. He stopped at Groovy Town and never came back. Yep. Um, um, existential dread, sci-fi fun. I, I could do it first if you want. I have to say first? a 50-50 on this because it's pretty fun and it's pretty dready. I don't know I don't know how else to do it. Define the dread because I was going to give 15% of dread of, of your ghost coming back from the future murdering other people and you. Um, mm-hmm. that's, that's a little dreadful, although not not it's not going to be in my top five worries uh, i will say that um, i have a strong sense of dread from the fact that it just seems like no one understands anything that's happening even though they keep t- pretending they do that makes me <laughs> uncomfortable that kind of adds to the fun see i get real dreaded out when it's like a coherent explanation i have to think about that existentially mm-hmm. dreads me out whereas here it's kind of sci-fi fun because like you said it doesn't make a whole lot of sense so maybe things that make sense scare me and then they amuse you. Then you mean that don't make sense. Hmm. Things that make sense. Wait, scare did me I say that? Did I say you. make sense? Yeah, you said it. Okay, that way. doesn't make sense. I'm sorry. Okay. Things that don't make sense. If people really think about it, they can work out what you're trying to say. Most likely. I thought I, I swear I thought I said things that don't make sense. Now I'm, I don't know. We could, I could stop the recording worried. and rewind. We could start over I'm if worried. you need to. Do you want to start I'm over? I'm afraid. This is over. dread. This is giving me more dread. I'm 55% dread now. Okay. <laughs> Let's break down the conversation you are, you and I are having into existential dread versus sci-fi fun. I am 
scared of things I don't understand. Okay, um, that's the number. The number is I'm scared of things I don't understand. When I when I meet someone and they're kind of one of those people who is a loose cannon, I maybe I used to have fun with those kind of people, but when I meet someone who seems extremely erratic, then I try to distance myself from them as quickly as possible. Yeah, yeah, I feel like you don't. Well, if you meet, I guess Japan doesn't have a whole lot of loose cannons. I mean, well, they don't have extroverts. You can see people going around and see something's not quite right with that boy, you know. But uh, yeah, I'll go back to my old standby of the two guys making competing train announcements on different train platforms, <laughs> neither of whom worked for the train company. Were they getting more and more angry at each other? They were getting louder. I don't know if they're because they needed to sound professional because they were they, they may not work for the train company, but they're really into trains. So they wanted to give an authentic train announcement. If they had to make that louder, that's what they did. Hmm. I haven't seen. Yeah, that I mean, that sounds kind of threatening. I don't know if it would be as threatening as just somebody who's like, man, I just read this self-help book. Anybody who I've just met and they start putting their arm around me and explaining things, then I get immediately like afraid. Yeah, that doesn't happen in Japan. Okay. <laughs> no. <laughs> Um, not that often. <laughs> I guess I'm just describing aggression now, which is not really what's Strange going aggression. on here. <laughs> yeah, but it just, and I know some people just say random stuff because it's funny, but like, <sighs> see, I guess for me, a, a horror setup because this is basically a horror setup, and and mm. that doesn't necessarily. I feel like you know, existential dread is usually more from like disturbing sci-fi concept so this just kind of like you, he did it to himself you know mad scientist style although trying to communicate with plants doesn't seem like that mad scientist but uh yeah the results speak for themselves so it's kind of mm. his fault i mean it's a horror setup yeah. so well, to me that, that's not it's, so much dread it's the event horizon thing where the guy is like stop i want to keep overworking stop telling me not to overwork myself and then it ends up in you know that's a, I guess the tale as old as time. Stop overworking. Yes. Or or your ghost will come from the future and kill everyone you love and, and hate and yourself. Or you'll turn into demonic Sam Neill. Yeah. Which is basically what happens to this guy and, and what happens in a force of life. I mean, those those are, you know, they, they can have dinner in hell with demonic Sam Neill. Sure. Yeah. I, I feel like this guy feels worse, but He's more obsessed, he's not, isn't he? The other he's guy, not a, really, he was just doing his job and got, you know, possessed by an alien. So that guy definitely got a shorter end of the stick. This guy, at least, you know, again, I want to communicate with plants. Doesn't seem like it would be that threatening a course of study. It just turned out to be, you know? Yeah. And it's like, like you said earlier, he's not a great actor. <laughs> Whereas, you know, Ian McShane and the last, you know, Jarek and Balor are, were all like, world-class Shakespeare level guys with John shrapnel John shrapnel yeah yeah we were usually getting incredibly talented guest actors which is probably why we only get one or two at a time well yeah you which get, makes my trivia the, easier getting people off the Shakespearean stage versus Italian soap opera actors is you know maybe, I, I, I don't actually I mean soap operas but I'm just I mean he was in what satanic what I mean he was in uh 
Oh, Re trivia me. I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna do this. I can't believe I'm doing this. Because what if he was on the Italian stage as like a leading light? We don't want to give him short. I mean, drift. He was in Non Sparet Sui Bambini, Leridata de la Prioria. I said that wrong. Warriors of the Wasteland. He was in Lady Hawk. Oh, I remember Lady Hawk. Yep, another uh, Richard Donner film. He played Fornak. Ooh, that sounds dirty. <laughs> he oh he and oh get this get this he, there's a a number of American productions where he is he has a pseudonym Timothy Brent. Oh okay, old Tim Brent yeah yeah Timothy Brent. Um, Boy next door. He played. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he was cast in The Last Blood as Timothy Brent. His character name. Sergeant Salvatore Maggio. Maggi I almost said Maggiano. Maggio. <laughs> but I'm gonna get canceled in the future when it's like not cool to do all this Italian stuff. I, I've been looking at Google Earth a lot for some reason. And Venice itself is just a little island of the canals and stuff. And yeah. the actual town, it just looks like boring old suburbs. Just to throw that out there. Hmm. Not yeah, that above. sounds about to, right. You have to get into the street views because they have orange I mean, roofs, which seems exciting. But then you get the street views, and it's just, you know, not that. Exciting. Is anything? Does anything legendary live up to its reputation? I Sometimes. mean, I don't know. He played Fred Rogers in the War Devils. Mister Rogers. In that, in that, in that movie, his pseudonym was Jack Garter. That's too different. You can't just go from Tim whatever it was to Jack Gardner. <laughs> well, that was 1969. Oh, so, uh, he was Jack time. Garter. Then he was Philip Garner. Altamont put an end to all that. And then he was Timothy Brent. So uh, just a absolute scoundrel with a bunch of fake names just going around. <laughs> I don't know. It seems like he had a pretty decent career and I'm glad he was so successful. But maybe he had some difficulty with his public persona since he kept changing his name. I mean, <laughs> what are you going to do? This is his his career started in 67, so this is still pretty early. Yeah. Uh, I guess we will wrap it up unless you got something else you want to throw in there. Um, Don't talk to your plants or else you might die in don't, the future. Don't, don't, <sighs> don't hold seances with your plants, I guess. Where they'll make you dead in the future. Yeah, it's the idea of talking to plants is so stupid now that it's gone all the way back around to being cool. Yeah, it is cool, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it is. So all you plant talkers hey. out there, that's cool. I read stuff about I always read stuff if there's an article that's like they have like put a microphone on a plant and left it there for a year and sped up the footage or whatever. I'm like, I always want to hear that stuff. Does it talk to you? It's like, go to hell, land people. <laughs> I don't know why they're land people. Flesh monsters. <laughs> okay, that's the secret life of plants then. Yeah, the secret life of plants is they hate you and they hope that you die and that you become fertilizer for the plants. Hey, it's a um, best interest, isn't it? And if you want to support our podcast, you can die and become fertilizer for our podcast. <laughs> Patreon.com slash podcastio podcastius. Oh, that would have been better if I hadn't laughed so much.
Yeah, Mark um, makes his own joke. Yeah. I think just telling people to pick up fertilizer is really hilarious. <laughs> uh, find a lot of podcasts there. Follow this podcast. Hey, we're going to we're we're screaming through season one of this show and get to season two. And uh then you'll be in for it. I'm not screaming. <laughs> That's all I had to say. That was just my aside. <laughs> I need to stop. Okay. Best plug ever. I do 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 talking and talking and talking and talking. You're making this a, such a difficult editing job. Okay. <laughs> what you just cut before I before any of this? Oh, it's you already over. It's already over. Okay, that's I thought it's you... been over. Yeah, and whenever you said whatever you said, I don't remember what you said, but then you said something and there was a pause, and that's where you yeah. should end it. Okay. Racing boards highlight deep intensities of the chessboard. Perambulations along the fankers on Wheel of Life, in channelations of Gnostic rites. You'll test alchemies on Yggdrasil and hyperspace, through peeping beyond dusty confines of the soapbox world. Gongs that you ring. Follow the bells and gongs that you ring. <laughs>